This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora koutou. I'm Sam Broughton, the Mayor of Waikirikiri, Selwyn District. Welcome back to Swell On Air. Grab a coffee or tea, sit back and enjoy listening to the following show. Welcome to today's episode of Swell On Air. I'm your host, Kirsten Dingwall Okoya. Our first guest today is Kate Warren from Tavendale & Partners, a Canterbury-based law firm that has offices throughout Selwyn. So welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you so much for having me. So what is a will and do I need one? Well, essentially a will or testament is a legally binding document that enables you as the willmaker to set out what is to happen to your property following death. Um, the will isn't limited to property. It can also include your preference for burial, cremation or some other funeral direction. This isn't mandatory but can avoid squabbling amongst family if different people think you want different treatment following death. So does a will cover assets that are held in a trust? No, so a will doesn't cover property that has been settled onto a trust as it's no longer the property of the willmaker. In this situation, you would need to consider a memorandum of wishes. So it's important to remember that a person must own or be solely entitled to the property. Uh, property owned jointly doesn't qualify. When might we need to change our will, Kate? Now, we encourage all clients not only hold a valid will, but to actively review them. Uh, some clients do not realise that if a will is not specifically made in contemplation of marriage and then they marry, that the will is revoked. So we encourage the review of wills at least every couple of years or upon any significant life events. I mean, this doesn't necessarily mean that the will needs to be changed this regularly, but just checked over to ensure it is still absolutely reflects your wishes. So enduring powers of attorney, what are these and why might I need one of those? A uh, power of attorney is an authority by which one person gives authority to someone else to act in their name to the extent specified in the power of attorney document. There are two forms of powers of attorney, non-enduring, which are generally specifically executed for a set purpose and are limited as du to duration, and then enduring powers of attorney, which do not expire and generally only cease upon the death of the donor or attorney, the donor being the person that creates the enduring power of attorney document. Uh, enduring power of attorney is then broken down into two parts, personal care and welfare, commonly called health, and property. There are different requirements and considerations for each. So with these enduring power of attorney, so basically someone has the right to, if I give you the enduring power of attorney over my finances, you can tell me how, to, how I might need to spend my money? Uh, yes, although you, you can choose whether or not the power of attorney for your property comes into effect immediately or only if you lose mental capacity. Okay. And so if I'm considering a retirement village, there are some important and really important considerations and one of these considerations are occupation rights. How do I know if those, those are right for me and what do I need to consider? Sure. Well, retirement villages are now a well-established housing and lifestyle option for many older New Zealanders. Um, an occupation right agreement is the contract that confers the right to occupy a dwelling in the village and specifies the terms and conditions to which that right is subject. It is important to note that you're not actually purchasing the villa itself, but just the contractual rights to live there. 
This means that you're not exposed to any capital gain. However, in some circumstances, capital loss can be passed on to you. This depends on the terms of the agreement and is becoming far less common, but it is something to watch out for. So what are some really important things to consider um, that might differ between different retirement villages? Sure. Um, Some of the key things we look for when reviewing an occupation right agreement and discussing it with intending residents are what are all the costs? So this includes entry costs, weekly costs, deferred costs, transfer costs, marketing costs, legal costs, increased care level costs. We just want to ensure that there are no surprises. Um, Is there a right to transfer from the village to a care facility? Does the resident have priority access to any available bed? Uh, What care is available within the village and does the resident consider that that will be sufficient for their current and foreseeable needs? Uh, So what what care facilities are there? Is there rest home level care, hospital, dementia, uh, psychogeriatric? Uh, It's really important that any intending resident is well informed and guided through the process. So... It is important to get legal advice. In fact, it's mandatory to get legal advice when you're going into a retirement village, isn't it? Yes, that's true. And so the complexity of what you just listed there (laughs) means, yeah, having someone go through and explain all the unique situations is going to be really important. Yes, absolutely. We just want to make sure that you're absolutely well informed before signing uh, any binding legal contract. So how do people get in touch with you, Kate? If they want to like talk about any of these things or more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so we encourage you to get in contact with us. Um, you can email me at kate.warren at tp.co.nz. Thank you so much for joining us today, Kate. Thanks. This morning we're taking a look at a new project which has started to develop in the Selwyn District. It was launched out of some very personal circumstances. The NICU, or as we call it, NICU, Cattle Hearts, is an initiative which we chose to spotlight during Swell 2021. However, we haven't been able to have the expo, so like so many of our topics, we're putting them here on air. So as a community and economic development advisor, I visited a group in the Leeston Community Room Library, and it was called Patchwork Plus. And this group was cutting and sewing up some hearts, and I was very intrigued as to what these hearts meant. And the group members were able to tell me a small part of a story of another one of their members who was still overseas with her family. And so later I was able to meet this person, Lisa, and I heard about her story and I heard more about the Cuddle Hearts and I realised what an important story and initiative this was to share. So I've got with me today Lisa Padgett. Lisa is a mum, granny, great auntie, neighbour and a group member, but she's also the Cuddle Hearts project manager. So welcome today, Lisa. Thank you, Kirsten, for the opportunity to have me here. The Cuddle Heart story started from my brother-in-law in Australia calling me and asking me to go over urgently as they had 27 weekers born two months prior. They were very stressed and needed some family support. I went over there while I was there for a period of six weeks. Um, very sadly, we lost one of my beautiful little nieces, but she had something very special in her incubator, and that was a little fabric cuddle heart. 
When I asked my sister-in-law what they were for, she said that she wears wore one in her bra and her twins each had one um, in their cots with them. Then they swapped over. The idea was that baby had mum sent, mum had baby sent. It's been proven in America that this has increased mum's milk supply and has been able to calm babies. I saw it firsthand. My amazing experience was watching little Kahana reach up with her tiny little hand to her heart as her mum put it into the incubator. That was the moment that I decided I had to come home and I had to try and make this project work here in Christchurch. Sounds amazing. Born out of tragic circumstances, obviously. But what? tell me what the actual cuddle huts look like. Okay, so they're literally just two pieces of pure cotton fabric or uh, Winsayette, which is just a brushed cotton. And this is the only fabric that we can use due to infection control. They are cut to roughly between sort of 10 to 15 centimetres in size, no bigger than that, bearing in mind mum has to tuck them in her bra. Um, and they are literally wrong size together, sewn, turned in the, route, in the right way round, and top stitch right the way round, which also closes the, the wee gap. And... Yeah, that's basically what they are, and they're very simple, but so very effective. So how did your group, Patrick Plus, get behind you? Well, they knew about this project um, before I left, because my sister-in-law had already told me, and I, out of thanks to the NICU, which stands for Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, in Australia had made 50 to send over there um, in gratitude for what they had done for my nieces, or were doing for my nieces. And um, so the girls already knew about it, and I had told them that um, I would love to start the project here. So out of love for me, they decided to surprise me with some hearts when I returned. So you've started the project here, but it hasn't necessarily been something that you can just get a pile of hearts and drop them off at the hospital, because in these infectious times we're living in, how did you make the arrangement to, for our neonatal intensive care unit to receive these hearts? Okay, well, as you can imagine, it's a very busy unit, so we can't um, have the hearts delivered directly to there, and this is one of the main reasons is infectious control. So all the hearts need to be returned to me and my team for us to sanitise and bag um, as per required instructions from the hospital, who I've been working very closely with to make sure that we've got this 100% right. So how are we going to do that? Well, um, thanks very much to the Selwyn District Council. We have been given the opportunity where all the hearts can be delivered to the libraries, or in particular the Leaston Library, and where I go every Monday to my craft group, and um, which everybody is welcome to come along to, by the way, which is 10 to 3, bring your machine, bring your knitting, whatever you fancy, and that is on a Monday, sorry, every Monday, and um, you're more than welcome to come along. We really, really encourage new um, new members. So the hearts can be dropped off at or posted to the Leaston Library where I will collect them on a Monday and I will take them home and make sure that they are sanitised correctly and then I will be delivering them to the hospital. So the other libraries will collect them? Yes. Um, and whereabouts are they? Okay, so we've... Very fortunate, we've got four libraries. So we've got 
um, Darfield, Lincoln, Leaston and Rolleston, who are all more than happy to accept the hearts or they can be posted to Leaston. So you've done a Facebook post asking for sewers. What response are you getting already? Oh my goodness. Um, the first weekend that I launched the page, I probably had roughly around about 350 replies. I have been overwhelmed with stories of um, families and what they have gone through with the NICU and the support even from people who haven't been able to sew that have donated fabric, which is a huge factor for us. We welcome any fabric that you may have um, if you're not a sewer or just have excess around. Um, The support's been overwhelming. So why do you think you've received such a massive connection with this project? I think it's because... I don't think there's any one of us that haven't heard of a story or had a connection to somebody who's had a NICU story. These are beautiful, tiny, little babies, which I just call little scraps of humanity that are fighting for their lives. And everybody just loves babies. And that's why I think we've all, it's tugged at everybody's hearts, I think. So if someone's sitting at home and they've got piles of, leftover fabric or even scraps of fabric from things that they may have made, can you explain how they can make a heart? Because it doesn't have to be exact, does it? No, it really doesn't. Um, Only to the point where we don't want them any smaller than a 10 centimetre diameter or any bigger than 15 centimetres. Too small, they can get lost amongst the um, sheets and things in the incubators. Too big, they become a bit bulky. However, they can pick up a pattern... From the Selwyn District Council website, when they click on Cuddle Hearts, we will have the PDF on the website, and I believe it is going to be made available limited number of packs in some of our community centres and libraries. Yes, I am making up packs of um, 10 hearts, um, well, fabric for 10 hearts, and there'll be a pattern in there. So if anybody just is a sewer but doesn't have fabric or would just like a little hobby, We'd be very um, grateful if you wanted to go into one of the libraries and pick up a pack, sew them, and then return them back. We would love that very much. So how many hearts do you anticipate are needed each month? Well, we've worked out about 3,000 a year anyway. And how can people get in touch with you? I have um, either through my Facebook, which is just NICU, N-I-C-U, NICU, Cuddle Hearts, it's uh, on Facebook, or you can email me on nikucuddlehearts at gmail.com, N-I-C-U cuddlehearts at gmail.com, all lowercase, and leave your details there for me and I can send you through a pattern and all the instructions that are required and where that you can post them to. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lisa, and thank you for this great initiative that you're starting in Selwyn. Thank you very much, and I appreciate the offer, and I really appreciate anybody who can... If, if everybody made one heart, we'd, we'd be doing great. So thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear other stories about ageing well in Selwyn, check out the Plains FM website and search Swell on Air. Matewa.